Well, good morning and welcome to Fellowship Baptist Church. It is 479 hours and 55 seconds in the back, so it's time to sing. Let's stand together, higher ground, and we are just so excited to praise God and give Him the glory that He deserves. Let's lift our voices on this first verse as we sing together. Pressing on the upward way through hearts and gain me every day, still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, Oh 
spiritual ground closer to you God that's where we want to be Lord use this service to indeed bring us to higher ground draw us closer to you we want to leave here knowing you better and loving you more and truly walking and living on higher ground bless this service God be glorified in everything that is said and done today we love you God we thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus name Amen. You may be seated. Well, it, it is good to be back. I certainly appreciate your prayers. Uh, Pastor Chuck and I left, uh, let's see, tomorrow will be two weeks ago. We flew down to Peru. We flew to Lima, spent the night there, got up in the morning, flew to Trujillo. Um, and we'll give you more details next week and share some pictures with you. Uh, but we met, met with the pastor of the church we're supporting in Trujillo, and it was a great time. Wonderful guy, hardworking guy, does not speak English at all. But he got online as soon as he saw me, he said, told me that he knew me from watching videos of our church service. And uh, great guy. We got all the, all the details, everything worked out for a trip in August. Please plan on joining us in August. It's going to be a great trip. It's a lot of work to be done. Uh, we had a wonderful time there, got everything accomplished we need to. Then we went down to Chile, saw Jason Holt, and wow, he's doing a great work. Really a great work there in uh, San Diego. They have started 16 churches. It's amazing. 16 churches in 19 years on the field. That's impressive. And uh, it's, it's wonderful. We had a great visit with them. Then we flew to Cusco, back into Peru. Kind of funny to go Peru, Peru, Chile, Peru, but we did. Um, and uh, met with many of the pastors that uh, were supporting through BEAM, the uh, Baptist Evangelistic Missionary Endeavors. We support Andy Counterman's the head of that. We support him as well. And uh, had dinner with eight pastors on uh, I don't know what night, I don't even know what day it is, except it must be Sunday because everybody's here. Um, so it, it was a wonderful visit there as well. And we flew home on Thursday, I think. I had to fly all night, which I hate, but uh, it's okay. Now, somewhere along the line, we, we picked up a little bit of a stomach, some stomach issues. It's kind of up and down, and uh, I thought Pastor Chuck was doing better than me. I was not good at all yesterday. Well, now he's down. Uh, late yesterday, it hit him hard. He was supposed to preach today, but uh, that's okay. Uh, by God's grace, I'll be ready to preach. And uh, it was good. Thank you for praying. It really was a good trip, very productive trip. We'll show you. We'll get together this week and get some pictures together and uh, 
show you everything. Um, it was God really blessed. So thank you so much for praying by the grace of God. We're back safely. That's the most important thing. Well, if you are with us for the first time today, we welcome you. We are so glad to have you here. If you're online for the first time, please go to our website, click on I'm New Here. We have an online connection card for you. If you're here for the first time, you should have received one of our welcome packets. If you did not, there's a card like this in the pew in front of you. It says connection card. We would love to hear from you. We would love to hear how we can pray for you. Even on this trip, I got prayer requests that were, were given by card or by the website, and I pray for every request that comes in. So uh, please, we want to pray. So if you would turn that card in with today's date, March 3rd. Can you believe it's March already? It is March 3rd. Give us your prayer request and your name. And then if you'll give us your email address, we have a free gift that we would love to send you. We can only do it by email. So if you would, give us your email address. We will not sell it, but we will uh, send you that free gift today. And I know you'll enjoy it. Well, at this time, we'll have our video announcements. VBS is right around the corner. It's hard to believe, isn't it? But we want you on the team to make Vacation Bible School the best it's ever been. If you're at all interested in finding out more or getting on the team, please come to the meeting today right after the service. Stacy Wood has so much great information to share. And like I said before, we want you on the team. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is central to the gospel. What better news could we share than that they can have life because Jesus lives. Every year we celebrate Easter and it's coming fast. Before Easter arrives, we want to get our church looking spectacular. So we have a church workday coming up on Saturday, March 23rd. It's going to be from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. We're going to provide lunch and we truly need everyone to come out. You might think, oh, I don't have much to offer. Trust me, your presence alone is a huge encouragement to everyone working. So please mark your calendar for March 23rd, plan to come out and help us get our church looking absolutely Easter ready. We will have guests on Easter and we wanna make sure that nothing detracts from their experience. Our missionary of the week and missionary of the month for March is the Downs family. They are starting a church for Ethiopians in the Washington, D.C. area. They currently have a need for a more consistent place where they can meet and also for a second vehicle. Please pray for the Downs family and for the Ethiopians in our area.
Amen. I, I'm throwing them off in the sound booth by jumping up here. I told Brother Mike I was going to. I just want to share something with you. God is so good. And God knows everything. Now, last night is about 7 o'clock. Pastor Chuck texted me and said, I'm really sick. I don't know if I'll make it tomorrow. It's about 50-50. I'm like, okay. Oh, so I start praying. Lord, what, what do you want me to do? If I have to preach tomorrow, what do you want me to preach on? And there's been a verse that I read, I think last Wednesday, maybe just in my daily Bible reading, that's just been going over and over in my mind. And God said, you go there. I'm like, okay, I can go there. And I started working on putting some thoughts together, writing some things down. And uh, really, before I went to bed, I said, I have this message. I'm going to be preaching it. I, I didn't tell Pastor Chuck, just forget it, don't even try. I didn't tell him that. I waited to see him this morning. He said, I can't go. I said, it's okay. God's given me the message. And I thought, you know, part of it, that toward the end of the message, we're going to talk some about praise. I thought, I really, I should, I should call Pastor Christopher. And by the way, Thank you, Pastor Christopher. I've heard from many people did a great job while we were gone. So thank you. <laughs> Believe me, I would not leave with Pastor Chuck, the two of us gone, and except that I know we're leaving the church in good hands. And that is great comfort. So I, I thought about texting or calling him and saying, put some, put some songs about praise in. I said, no, it's not right. It's too late. I'm not going to do that to them this late. So I get to church this morning, I pull up the order of service, and I see these songs. I will praise him. I just came to praise the Lord and praise. You think maybe God knew what was going to happen? Yes, he did. So I tell you that right now because I want you to praise God as we sing. He's in control. It's all in his hands. Let's stand together and we'll sing.
your voices as we praise him. So let it be today, we shout the hymn of heaven, with angels and the saints, we raise a mighty roar, glory to our God, who Please be seated. Amen. Singing the, that last song, thinking about being in heaven, all the people of the world. Uh, somebody asked this morning, do, do I like Peru? I love Peru. I, I just have a great love for that country. I've been there twice now. Loved it the first time. It's not that it, it's a pretty country. It's underdeveloped. Chile, I was surprised, is far more developed than Peru. Chile is almost on American standards. It's much more advanced. Um, but the people, they're so, they're so friendly and so kind. And we went to non-tourist places. Trujillo is not a tourist place. You're not going to see many Americans there. And they don't speak English. Many of them speak no English. In fact, the plane to Trujillo, the announcements were only in Spanish. No English. Uh, so anybody who speaks even a little Spanish, we need you on this trip in August very much. Uh, we need to bring some interpreters with us. Um, I speak enough Spanish to get by, but I'm not fluent. I couldn't interpret very well. Uh, but just thinking about those precious people, and many of them, they love the Lord. They don't have what we have. What, what they have is very simple. We, we met in a room with no air conditioning and no fan. There was no electricity, actually. It was still light outside, so that was good. Actually, there is electric. They had lights. But uh, it was hot. You know, it's summer down there. I left winter, we left winter, we went and visited summer. It's nice to come back and at least it's springtime. It feels like spring outside and not winter again. I don't want to go back to winter. Uh, in, in Chile, the brother Holder told me, I'm going to pick you up from the airport. We're going straight to the church and you're preaching. My, that's great. Flying all day, get off a plane, drive to a church and preach immediately. We get there and the power's out. And uh, somebody came and brought me a flashlight and put it there, and I preached by a flashlight. Uh, you know, you do what you have to do. But uh, these people, they love the Lord. They're going to be in heaven with us. And, and your giving is going to help more people be in heaven as the gospel goes forth. Now, we're going to pray. If you'd like to come to the altar, I encourage you to do that at this time. We have a lot to pray about. This is a lengthy list. I want to remind you, Easter is in just four weeks. It's in March this year, March 31st. So please be praying for Easter, the Easter service. We want people to come. We want to see people saved. 
Uh, that's always what it's about. So let's, let's pray and trust God for the remainder of this service and for many of our people that are uh, dealing with physical and various issues. God, we do love you. And Father, I, I thank you for getting me and Pastor Chuck home safely. Thank you for a very successful uh, trip. We got everything accomplished that we needed to uh, purely by your grace, and we thank you for it. We do trust you for his complete healing, that he'll be back here by Wednesday and feeling well, and that uh, the rest of the stuff I have will be gone as well. We lift up, Lord, our Easter service four weeks from today. God, bless that. Use it. Help us to, to encourage people, to invite people to come, bring people in. We want people to come to Christ. And Lord, we lift up Gerald Lund. He had a, a stroke while we were gone. Heal him completely. Bless his dear, dear wife as she deals with a very difficult situation. Bless her and protect her. Heal Gerald. Bless the family. Just be very near to them. Continue to heal Joe Dillon uh, from his stroke. Uh, we pray for Pastor Chuck's family and ask you to continue to comfort them with his grandmother's passing. Uh, we trust you to keep healing Katie's grandfather, and we thank you for it. Joseph Franklin, still in the hospital in Miami. God, heal him. Uh, his body has rejected the organs from the transplant, but we pray, God, and ask you to resolve that. We pray for continued and complete healing for Rebecca Morgan. It was great to see her up here singing again. Uh, bless her and heal her. We lift up Gregory Troas. He's got surgery coming up in a few weeks. Bless him and bring quick healing to him. Continue to heal T. Smith completely and John O'Neill uh, and my wife. God, heal her from the fall and she's still very much dealing with the after effects of COVID. Very fatigued. Help her to get over that quickly. We pray for Harry Mosby, Ken Harriet, and ask you to continue healing them. God, we do lift up the situations in Israel and Ukraine. We pray for peace. People dying from war is a horrible thing. God, bring peace to both of those, in both of those situations. And most of all, use these situations to bring people to Christ. Draw people to Jesus. And now, God, help us to be still before you and listen to your word. This is the message that you gave me, that you have laid on my heart. So God, use me and, and help me. Don't, I feel underprepared, God, but I'm in your hands. So use me to preach this. I pray that it would come across well and help us all to be still and quiet before you. People don't need to hear what I have to say anyway. They need to hear from you. So teach us from your word, God. We trust you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may return to your seats. When was the last time you glorified God? When was the last time you glorified God? You brought glory to God. Man was made in the image of God and, and made to bring glory to God. So how can we glorify God? How can you and I glorify God? I want you to look with me in Psalm 50. Psalm 50, we're going to work our way through this psalm. In, uh, it, it talks about glorifying God a couple of times. One of them is in the, in the last verse. And when it, and it, when it says so there... 
The word glorify, the Hebrew word means to make weighty, to make weighty, heavy. So when we glorify God, what it's saying is we're making God important, heavy, weighty. Sometimes you have a decision to make, and you know, if you have a decision to make, you can ask one person's opinion, and you'll get opinions from uh, people you didn't ask as well. Usually you get opinions even if you don't ask anyone's opinion. Well, if they know you have a decision, they're going to put their two cents worth in. You know, that's what we call it. Put, I got to put my two cents worth in because the truth is most opinions, that's all they're worth is about two cents, which is really nothing. Uh, but there are people whose opinion you give more weight to, right? There's different people that, hey, I value his or her opinion because I know this person has been there before. I know this person loves me and cares about me. I know this person loves God. I, I know this person really knows what they're talking about. Various reasons, you give that opinion more weight. When we glorify God, we're giving God weight. We're saying God is important to me. And God certainly should be important to us, and we certainly should be glorifying him. So in Psalm 50, we see some simple things that we can do to glorify God. Because uh, when I ask the question, how can we glorify God? Some may be sitting here thinking, I have no idea how to glorify God. When did I last glorify God? I don't know. I don't know if I ever have. You, you probably have. I certainly hope you have. We're going to look at some simple ways that we can glorify God. Now, Psalm number 50, I trust you found it by now, beginning in verse 1. In these first six verses, we see God calling uh, to the earth. Uh, it says it's a psalm of Asaph. There's a few people named Asaph in the Bible, so we don't know exactly who this is to. But in verse 1, it says, the mighty God, even the Lord. Now, that in itself is interesting because the Hebrew words are very simply El, which is a shortened name for God, El Elohim Jehovah. That's what it says. El Elohim Jehovah. Translated here, the mighty God, even the Lord. You know what it's saying? God is saying the whole trinity is involved here. El Elohim Jehovah. Three names for God right up front. And God is letting us know, hey, the trinity is involved here. El Elohim Jehovah hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. So he said, God has called the earth from east to west. Everybody is included here. This is a call to the whole world. He calls everyone to hear his message. In verse 2, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. God shines forth from Zion. Zion is Israel. Verse 3, our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous or stormy round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. 
Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice, and the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself. It shows the majesty of God. God is going to judge. He talks about the, the saints, gather the, the saints, which is what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. This is talking about the judgment that's coming. God is coming to judge the earth. He is the judge. No one is exempt. That's a very serious thing. And right at the end of verse 6 there, he says, Selah. Selah is a, a word that we find in the Psalms. It's a few other places in the Bible. I think Habakkuk. Um, not very many. It's mostly found in the Psalms. And the word selah is a musical term. It's a musical term for a rest. I, I don't know music. I am very, very non-musical. I appreciate our musicians. They do a great job. I'm clueless. I cannot read music. I know there's all these funny symbols. And one of them, maybe there's some, several of them, I don't know, means rest. And remember that the Psalms were meant to be sung. But when you see Selah in the Bible, it not only means rest, it means meditate on this. You don't just read this psalm and read verse 6, and the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God has judged himself. Selah, hear, O my people, and I will speak. Don't just pass by that word. God is saying, stop and think. You stop and think about what I just said. And when you're reading in the Bible, and sometimes, you know, we want to read the Bible through in a year, check off the box. I've read, the, read my passages for today. It's easy to do that. That's our nature to just do that. But God is saying, now wait, you stop and think about what I just said. I said, I'm coming to judge the world. I'm God of everything. And I'm going to come and judge this world. That's a big deal. Don't take that lightly. You say, well, I'm saved. It's okay. All right, God, I'm good. I'm saved. So go ahead. Come and judge. Wait a minute. You know a lot of people that are not okay. And it ought to remind us of that. So when you see Selah, just, just stop and think, what did God just say? Because it matters. It's weighty. It's heavy. God said, I'm coming to judge the world. God's judgment is coming. If you are not 100% certain that if you died today, you'd go to heaven, you need to get that right. You need to do it today because God is coming and nobody but God knows when. He did, he, he did not say, I'm coming on this date. It's okay. I've got another 10 years, 100 years. I don't know if we have 10 minutes. Okay. Jesus is coming back. Yeah, I've heard that forever. Me too, but he is. And I don't know when, and you don't know when. He is. You better know that you're saved. Because hell's forever. Don't mess with that. Don't be foolish. I've got time. I'm in good health. I'll get saved before I die. How foolish is that? My greatest regret in the world is that I didn't get saved earlier. I got saved at 21, wasted so many years. I could have known God and been learning about God and walking with God. And I wasted, oh, but you were having a lot of fun. No, 
No, it's empty foolishness. That's all it was. God is so much better than anything this world has to offer. Do not delay knowing him. He said, meditate on this. Uh, when we get down to verse 7, so God called the whole world. In verse 7, he says, hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel. So he's talking to Israel now. He's speaking to his children. And he says, I will, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. He said, look, I'm not getting after you for not offering sacrifices because they were doing that. They were offering sacrifices, but there's more to it than that. In verse 9, he said, I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds, for every beast of the forest is mine. And the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving. And pay thy vows unto the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. God tells Israel, said, listen, I'm not interested in your animals. I, I'm not interested in your sacrifices. I'm not interested in your bulls and your goats and uh, all of that. I'm not interested. God's not hungry. He doesn't eat meat like we do. He's not hungry, and if he was, he wouldn't tell people. He doesn't need us to satisfy him. They were offering sacrifices to God as if God needed them. God doesn't need the sacrifice. Now, did he command them? Yes. We'll get to that more in a minute. God said, look, I own everything. Every animal you sacrifice is mine anyway. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills too. God owns everything. He lacks absolutely nothing. There's nothing that God lacks. He doesn't need food. Now, how God exists and has energy and does things without eating, he's God. I'm not, I cannot explain it. We can't comprehend anything putting out energy without taking in energy. We take in food, and that gives us the energy to stand, to sit, to breathe, to function. Uh, we have to eat or we die. God is self-existent, and only God is self-existent. Our, our machines, cars, you, know, you have to put gas in them, or if it's electric, you have to plug it in. You have to put energy in it for it to go. We have to put energy in these lights to make them shine. God needs nothing. He is completely self-existent. He's not relying on sacrifices. Listen, if you stop tithing, God won't go broke. The church might, but God won't go broke. He does not need anything. Now, God doesn't want empty religious rituals. He wants our hearts. Yes. 
human reasoning tells us that God will bless us based on what we do. If I go to church and get baptized like I'm supposed to, I, I go to a, a life group or I teach a life group, I sing in the choir, I, I go on missions trips, I serve in the nursery, I cut the grass, I, I give, I tithe, and I give to missions, and I do all these things, and God's going to bless me because of all that I have done, look how good I am. doesn't work that way. That's our human thinking. We all think that way. Do I think that way sometimes? Yes, it's the flesh. Our flesh believes God blesses us based on what we do. But that's not in the Bible. God wants our hearts. He's always wanted our hearts. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, in 1 Samuel, the first king of Israel was named Saul. And Saul got in trouble because he didn't do what God told him to do. He did most of it, but not all. He, he was supposed to wipe out these people who had been very wicked and kill all the animals. Well, that's horrible. Why would God have them kill all the animals? Well, he's God, we're not. So if God says kill the animals, kill the animals. Historically, we have learned that many of these animals were infected with a great deal of diseases. We know that archaeologically. Uh, God knew when that was the case, but man didn't. So that could well have been the case. Here God said, wipe out these people. They were very, very wicked and kill all the animals. Well, they saved the best of the animals to sacrifice to God. And in 1 Samuel 15, verse 22... It says, and Samuel said, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. It's better to obey than to offer sacrifices. We are to obey God. In Matthew 15, 8, Jesus talks about this and he quotes Isaiah in Matthew 15 8 Jesus said this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips but their heart is far from me that's what God told Isaiah he said these people they talk about me with their lips but their heart's not with me how often is that true of us we talk about god where's our heart god has always wanted the heart the heart is what matters god says i don't want just your religious service i want your heart in psalm 50 verse 15 I'm in Psalm 49. I thought, ooh, that sounds funny. Psalm 50, 15. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. There's one of the ways we glorify God. Call on him in the day of trouble. Because when we call on God in the day of trouble, we're, we are saying, God, you are great. And I am not. God, I need help. 
How many have ever been offended when your child, when they were little, you know, when, when they're really little and they're trying to do something and they say, help me please. Who's offended by that? The bigger problem when you have little kids is they try to do it themselves. What happens when they try to do it themselves? They can make a mess, often a big mess. And you're going, why didn't you ask me for help? What happens when we do it ourselves? We make a mess. And God's just up there going, I would have helped you with that. I would have helped you. He said, call on me in the day of trouble. Remember in the book of Joshua, the children of Israel... Moses led them out of Egypt, but because of their sin, they weren't allowed to go into the land of Canaan. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until the whole generation passed away because of their sin. God said, you people are so wicked, I can't let you come in. You're going to wander around until you all die. And they all died off. And then God let Joshua lead them into the promised land. They get into the land. They have this great victory over Jericho. Jericho, a city of gigantic walls. Walls so high and so wide you could race chariots on top of them. Gigantic walls, and people at that time were fighting with bow and arrow and spears and slinging rocks. You know, an arrow against a rock wall is not an effective tool. A sword is a really ineffective tool. You will ruin the sword and hurt your arm. Throwing rocks at a rock wall will not bring it down. But God gives a miraculous victory. They walk around the city every day for six days. Seventh day, they go around seven times, shout, and the walls just fall down. And they capture the city. Great victory. Everything's wonderful. This is great. Okay, what city's next? AI. AI? AI's nothing. You know what they said? It's a little city. We don't need to send the whole army against that little city. We'll just take a few thousand guys and go up there and crush them. And they didn't ask God. Now, what they didn't know was that Achan, a wicked man, had stolen some of the stuff from Jericho because Jericho was the first city, and God said, All the spoil is mine. The first fruits belong to God. He said, All the spoil is mine. You give everything to me. And Achan kept some for himself. So there was sin within the nation of Israel, and they didn't know. And then they looked at Ai and was like, we got this. They didn't say it, but somebody was thinking, we don't even need to ask God about this one. You know, we do that sometimes, don't we? What happened when they got to Ai? That little city crushed Israel and killed, I think it was like 36 men or something. People died. And we often say they died because of the sin of Achan. True, but... They died because they didn't ask God before they went. If they had asked God, God would have said, you got sin and you better not go to Ai. You better deal with your sin first. And people wouldn't have died. But they didn't ask God. Oh, that's a little thing. I got this. There are no little things. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are in the wall of my office. Sitting at my desk, I can look up and... Uh, one year, I don't even know when, many years ago, 
uh, Pastor Christopher and Pastor Chuck redecorated my office while I was gone and, and put that verse up there. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Not in some of your ways, in all your ways. There are no little things. Ask God. Trust God. In all your ways, acknowledge God. AI shouldn't have happened. They should have asked God. Let's not be guilty of thinking, oh, I got this. This is a little thing. When we ask God, we glorify him. Lord, it seems to me that this is pretty easy. This is all I need to do. But you know what, Lord, show me. I, I don't want to assume. God, you know things I don't. You ever thought something was little and easy and you did what you thought you should do and all of a sudden, boom. Ooh, it wasn't so little. And it wasn't so easy. And what you did was wrong. And now you have a mess. Yeah, we've been there. Trust God. Look to him. When we go to him, uh, when we call on him in the day of trouble, it brings glory to him. Let's go on here in Psalm 50. In verse 16, it says, but unto the wicked. So God, first he called the whole earth, then he speaks to Israel. Now he's speaking to the wicked. But unto the wicked, God saith, what hast thou to do to declare my statutes? Or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? God turns to the wicked, those who do not know him, those who are against God. But have you ever noticed people against God quoting the Bible? Whoo! Let me tell you, God doesn't like it. They'll say, well, you're supposed to be a Christian. Doesn't the Bible say, judge not that you be not judged? Taking it totally out of context. Misusing it. It's, it happens regularly. Well, the Bible doesn't say not to do this. Or the Bible doesn't say not to do that. Yes, it does. You just didn't read the whole thing. Or they say, well, Jesus never spoke against this sin. Well, the whole Bible speaks against it from Old Testament and New and Jesus said the Old Testament was all inspired. The writings of Moses, he talked about over and over, plus the law and the prophets, all of it he approved. So don't say Jesus did say. But that's what the world wants to do. God says, what do you think you're doing putting my word in your mouth? You think he takes it lightly? Mm-mm. He said, but unto the wicked, God saith, what hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or that thou shouldest take my covenant in, the, in thy mouth? Verse 17, seeing thou hatest instruction, and castest my words behind thee. You don't even believe my word. Don't you dare put them in your mouth. That's what God said to the wicked. Don't be pulling out my word when you don't believe it. You're going to pull out my word. You better believe it from Genesis to Revelation. All of it. You don't get to pick and choose. Well, I believe this part, but I don't like that part. No, it doesn't work that way. God is not happy with that. They go against God. They, they use his word, but they misuse it. They want to pick and choose which parts of the Bible they agree with. 
It's wickedness. Verse 18, when thou sawest a thief, then thou consentest with him and hast been partaker with adulterers. He said, look, God said, you're going with the thieves. You're going with adulterers, immorality. Thou givest thy mouth to evil and thy tongue frameth deceit, lying, deception, evil. Thou sittest and speakest against thy brother. Thou slanderest thine own mother's son. These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such a one as thyself, but I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. God said, look, I've sat back and waited, and you think I'm just like you. God is not a man. Verse 22, now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. God said, listen, I'm warning you. I'm warning you. He already said in the first six verses, verses, judgment's coming. And now he said, listen, I know you. I know what's going on. You like to use my word now and then, but you don't believe my word. And you're involved in all kinds of wickedness and immorality. And, and you think that I'm just like you. And you think just because I haven't judged yet means I'm not going to. You got it wrong. I'm coming. Repent now now none of us are guaranteed tomorrow the judgment of god comes very very swiftly god is long suffering but then the day's over and god told abraham i'm going to put your descendants 400 years in another country because the iniquity of the amorites isn't full yet i'm going to give them 400 years to repent they didn't repent jericho what happened in one day the walls fell and everyone died except Rahab and her family because she repented. She trusted God and she was spared. The, all of the land of Canaan, every single person in that land could have repented and trusted God and been spared. Rahab did and God spared her. But the judgment on the whole city, one day, they're all gone. There's no guarantee of tomorrow. If you're not saved, what are you waiting for? It's time. It's time. Then in verse 23, it says, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. And this is the verse that's just been going over and over in my head. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. And to him that ordereth his conversation, that's his lifestyle, all right, will I show the salvation of God. God delights in praise. Praise brings him glory. When we sing praises to God, we're glorifying God. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. When was the last time you glorified God? If you praise God, you glorify him. We ought to start every day praising God. Take time in prayer. Prayer begins with praise. Uh, one of the Psalms, I can't think of where now, it says to enter his courts with thanksgiving and Enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts and enter his courts with praise. Praise. We're to come to the throne of grace with praise. Praising God 
glorifies him. It's not hard to glorify God. It's actually quite easy. Praise him. Praise God gives him glory. Going to God when there's a problem gives him glory. I, in uh, Romans chapter 4 and verse 20, it says, He, that's Abraham, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Believing God gives him glory. How do we glorify God? Call on him in trouble. Believe him. Praise him. It's not hard to glorify God. We need to take our time and do it. Years ago, it's been, when did I leave Fort Lauderdale? Goodness, it's been uh, 2002, so 22 years ago now. I, I moved out of Fort Lauderdale, moved to Alabama. In Fort Lauderdale, that, that's southern Florida. We had a lot of islanders. A lot of people from the Caribbean are in uh, Fort Lauderdale and Miami. I was just in Miami changing planes. And, uh, and it was kind of funny to me because I got off the plane. I've been speaking Spanish as much as I could for uh, 11 days. And I get to Miami and I'm still speaking Spanish a lot of times. It's like, there's no problem there because uh, more people speak Spanish than don't in Miami. Um, South Florida is very island, a lot of Caribbean people. And in, in the church, my home church in Fort Lauderdale, we had a lot of islanders, people from uh, Jamaica and Haiti and many different islands. And some of the people, not all, but some of the different islands, the culture is that it's okay for men to cheat on their wives. It's expected. It's regular. But the man's to take care of his family. You don't abandon them financially. You're a dirty, low-down dog if you do that. But for a man to sleep around, they think little of that. We had ladies in our church. The wife is saved. She's coming to church. But her husband is not saved, doesn't even live at home. He pays the mortgage, he pays all the bills, he supports the family financially. He might live, I can remember one lady in particular, he lived in New York. He's sleeping around, whatever, but culturally, as long as he's taking care of his family in the, the culture he was from, that was okay. And now, do the wives like it? Of course not. But it's, it's just, I don't want to say just the way it is, but for them, that, that's the way it is. That's the culture. It's not the culture here. Don't, none of you guys get any ideas. Um, sin. It's sin in the Bible. These guys are unsaved. And unsaved people do. You know, sinners sin. So here you have a man who takes care of his family. He does all the things he's supposed to do financially. They're well taken care of. He'll pay for the kids through school and doctors, supplies, insurance, and the food and the house and, and pays for college, but he's gone. He'll come and visit now and then. He's doing all the things he's supposed to do, but his heart's not there. You know, sometimes we treat God like that. 
We do all the things we're supposed to do. We're here in church on Sunday. I'm reading my Bible. I check it off. I'm going to read through my Bible every year. I, I, I go to church. I'm in life group. I tithe. I'm supposed to tithe. I do that. And I, I do all the things I'm supposed to do, so I'm good. God wants your heart. The heart's what matters. God's looking at the heart. When you look at the religions of the world, the religions of the world, all of them or virtually all of them, there are things you have to do. Do. You do this. You do this, this, and this, you go to heaven. You do this, this, and this, you go to Mecca, paradise, uh, happy hunting ground, whatever. In the history of the world, it's always some place of paradise after death. But you have to do these things to get there. And the heart isn't required. That's the work of man. That's how you can see all these religions are fake. Because you can do all these things and not have your heart in it at all. And that's the way it is even in our country. Most of the religions in the United States, and I'm not just talking about paganism around the world, and some, there's some wild stuff out there. Uh, I'm talking right here in the United States. You go to most churches, and what do I have to do to get to heaven? And they'll give you a list of things. And the heart's not involved. That's how you know it's not of God. Uh, Pastor Chuck and I, uh, last Monday, we took a day. Uh, we really were working very hard the whole trip, but we took a day to go to Machu Picchu in Peru, which is the Incan temple and the, the city that they built. It was the, uh, it's in the Andes Mountains. It's up at 8,000 feet elevation which actually, to get there, you typically stay in Cusco, which is 11,000 feet elevation, and I can tell you that elevation is no joke. That was rough. Uh, so you go down to Machu Picchu, and it takes all day. I had no idea how hard it is to get there. It was a 16-hour day to spend three hours in Machu Picchu. We were on van, train, bus, and finally there. Long day. Uh, but they're showing the ruins and, and all these different things. And they showed us the place where on the one day of the year, March 21st, no, I'm sorry, June 21st, the summer solstice, the sun's going to come right through here at this place. And you're going to see uh, this. And it's only that one day. And I remember, and I talked about, in, you will see this here and in Stonehenge and Chichen Itza, which is in Mexico, the uh, Mayan ruins. Many years ago, my wife and I went there, and, and it's the same thing. On that day of the year, the sun makes a shadow that looks like a snake going up to the top of their temple. And they showed us where the Templo del Sol is, the temple of the sun. Because all over the world, man has worshipped the sun. Understand that in the Bible, when they set up the tabernacle, if the sun's coming up over here, yes, I know that's not east, but this, uh, it really comes up over there somewhere. But right now, the sun's coming up over here. 
God said, when you set up the tabernacle, remember the tabernacle was their, their place of worship and it was movable. And he said, whenever you set it up, the door faces east. So whenever they set it up, the door faced east. Here's why. All over the world, they worship the sun. In Canaan, they worshiped the sun. In Egypt, they worshiped the sun. And God said, when you're going in my tabernacle, turn your back on the sun. Turn your back on the ways of the world. Turn your back on paganism. And all the things the world does, you turn your back on that and come to me. God wants our hearts. He wants us to turn our back on the things of the world, not to be like the world. We're not of the world. God delivered us from the world. God wants us to glorify him. Turn your back to the world and look to God. Glorify him. Praise him. Believe him. Call on him in times of trouble. We were made to glorify God. It's not hard. It's just a decision of our heart. That's what God wants. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Your word is so good. We don't have things we have to do to get to heaven. It's already done by Jesus Christ. Our works can't get us to heaven. The works of Jesus get us to heaven. We just have to believe you and trust you. Turn our back on the world and look to you. God, use us to bring glory to you everywhere we go. We should be glorifying you. Father, bless this invitation now. We trust you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We'll have a song of invitation. If you're not sure if you're saved, oh, won't you come? We've got men here ready to help men, ladies ready to help ladies. We want to show you from the Word of God how you can know that you have eternal life. Uh, maybe you're struggling right now. You, you're just heavy-hearted. You're having financial troubles, uh, physical problems, or a family member's having problems. Whatever it is, why won't you let someone pray with you? Don't carry that burden alone. Come and let someone pray with you about that. If you know this is where God wants you to have your church membership, come. Whatever the need is, we're here to help you. We want to pray with you now. So come now as we sing. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior.
sing another verse. These people look lonely up here. Don't, don't carry that burden home. Casting all your cares upon him for he careth for you. Let someone pray with you and stand with you for whatever the need is, whatever's heavy on your heart. Come now, we'll sing one more verse. dismissed in prayer glorify God you know singing is one of the easiest ways singing praises is great um, praise God praise him often bring him glory don't forget there's a VBS meeting in the runway room right after the service uh, Pastor Christopher is going to dismiss us in prayer I also Pastor Christopher I failed to pray for Marty's brother with the car accident a few weeks ago. So if you would please pray for him as well. And God bless you. God bless you indeed. And do remember that these people, they care about you and they want to pray with you. So even if you didn't come down today, you can find them in the hallway. They'd love to pray with you. This is a praying church. We want to be a praying people. So let's take this seriously and bring all of our cares to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your great power and grace. Thank you for caring about us and for being glorified in our praise. We are certainly not worthy to praise you, but you command us to do so, and we love to do it, Father. Use us as a church to bring you much glory in this dark world around us. I pray that we would reach our community for you with the truth of the gospel. Jesus saves. We do pray for Levi as he is continuing to recover from his very serious accident. I pray, Father, that his recovery would be complete and that he would get over his survivor's guilt. And I pray that he would be changed and encouraged. And I pray that you would use this accident in his life to draw him closer to you and to point many people around him to Christ. God, be glorified now as we step out of these doors and go into a world that needs Jesus. Help us not to look down on people but to view ourselves as beacons of the truth. God, we so love you. In Jesus' name, amen.